0: I mean, here's the thing, you know, so you don't enter into parenting having all of this learned in together. Right. You learn on the job. You grow on the job. Mm-hmm. Your kids are going to help you be able to deal with your own heart. Mm-hmm. What gets stirred up in you? What do I need to pay attention to? Why am I anxious? Why am I getting angry? Why do I get angry when my kid's angry at me? And, and God is very intentional and gracious in His, you know, to give us His Word and give us um, believers who are ahead of us on the road, um, whether it be pastors, wise counselors, but to help us so that we we're not, I mean, we're continually growing in our own hearts.
1: Welcome to episode thirty-one of the Redeemed Hearts podcast. Where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your Redeemed Heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. In this week's episode, Tools for Parenting, Whirly and Danina will be discussing several important tools for helping parents in managing their children's mental health. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening today. Here's Whirly and Danina.
0: Well, it's good to be back, and we have another talk in store that um, I think is going to be helpful to any parents. Mm -hmm. Kind of got a theme going this month with last time we talked about, you know, moms and where they find their peace, and today we're going to talk about how to be helpful to parents, because we often have parents ask us for tools in helping their children manage their mental health, Mm -hmm. And and in today's world, that's a common thing. You hear that on the news about mental health. And you and I believe that mental health is, you know, a part of our life. And as believers, it's just, we don't even think about it. We just live it. And and it's an area that in the way that we think and the way we deal with emotions and such that it's just a part of who we are. And Mm -hmm. so what we wanted to do today is to share a few tools from an extensive talk that we have given called Courageous Parenting. And we deal with, in that talk, mental health and even more severe mental illness issues. But for the sake of today, we're going to touch the surface with some tools that we think are beneficial for all parents. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that we do and recommend for parents with your kids and just a tool for mental health and just healthy living is one is be diligent. And we start with what we referenced last time from Deuteronomy six for parentings for, for all parenting. And God says to Israel, he says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Can I just pause and say it's foundational, parents, as you parent your kids that you love the Lord? He's he's urging this in parents. So then he goes on to say, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we can see in this passage that parents are to be intentional They can't go off duty as parents because we're always teaching and modeling um, God's Word that He's given to us.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And it's, I mean, we have to be diligent in this, but I was also just thinking that it's very difficult to give what you don't possess. Yes. And so that's why, I mean, this passage really starts with make sure that, you know, this is on your heart and then teach it diligently to your children. And so it puts the burden back on us as parents that, yeah. it, you know, what's what's going on with us? What are we putting in um, to prepare us for what we're going to teach our children? And this is just pretty much saying 24-7 mm-hmm. when you read this passage. Mm-hmm. So, um, And we live in a busy, busy, busy culture today mm-hmm. and very little time to actually be Putting into and teaching our kids because we're taking our kids mm-hmm. to do this and to do that and to do this 24-7. Very, you know, a little time to actually be teaching, training, intentionally, purposefully, diligently putting in. So it's important that we start here. Um, be diligent, be thoughtful, be purposeful in parenting. And the second thing that we would encourage you to do is to start with the heart. Um, Proverbs 423 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. And this made me think about how years ago we offered a class at our church um, that had a huge impact on our own parenting. Uh, it was by Ted Tripp called Shepherding Um a Child's Heart. And he says that life flows out of the heart. Parenting cannot be concerned only with the positive shaping influences. It must shepherd the heart because life gushes forth from the heart. And he goes on to say that he's interested in helping parents engage in a hand to hand combat on the world's smallest battlefield, the child's heart. Mm. You must require proper behavior because God's law demands that. You cannot, however, be satisfied to leave the matter there. You must help your child to understand how his straying heart has resulted in the wrong behavior. And it's easy as parents, especially if we're busy, to parent the behavior mm-hmm. only, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and even our own, I mean, we want to look good as parents. And if my kid looks good mm-hmm. and is behaving well, then, whoa. I mean I got this down. Mm-hmm. I'm a good parent and yet the whole time if we're not shepherding our, shepherding our child's heart, we're not dealing with that change. And we know this because our our form of counseling is you know it deals we, with the heart. Deals with heart. If we believe that's where we're redeemed hearts, if 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 that change doesn't happen internally, then very seldom do we see that last mm-hmm. externally. Um uh, Tripp says that behavior has a when, what, and why. And I just think this is real simple, parents. I mean, when describes the circumstances in which the behavior occurred. So when did it happen? What was going on around it? I mean, think you know, think about the when. Um, the what describes the things that were said or done. So what happened? Who said what? You know, this is, this is the facts of what's going on there. And then, but he says, don't stop there. The why describes the internal heart issues that pushed or pulled that specific behavior. And and so we need to um, think about when, what, and why in our parenting. And it made me think about how I started. And in the last one, I talked about, you know, praying in Moms in Prayer. But one of the prayers I started praying just faithfully and diligently at home, in Moms in Prayer, you know, whenever I would pray, is that God would capture the heart, mind, and will of our kids, mm-hmm. and um, and and just how we have to do battle on all three fronts in our parenting, um, you know, where we're dealing with the heart, we're dealing with their thoughts. I mean, you know, our kids are often not thinking correctly about things, um, you know, believing lies about things. We see this in our counseling practice with, you know, I mean, we don't start with young kids, but with you know, teens. Um, and how they're thinking, but just to capture that will mm-hmm. um, as well there. And and in order to do that, you know, we have to be intelligent intentional and diligent and have, you know, focused time as a parent. And so we really want to give you a few other tools that may kind of I, I think just be helpful in the how to and how to be diligent and how to maybe address the heart, how to go. Um, a little bit more with not just the behavior, but also with the why. So why don't you start us with one of the first things?
0: Yeah, and before, you know, as I do this, it's going to be listen before you teach. Um, I just want to make a comment about by implication, if you're dealing with your child's heart, you have to let the Lord deal with your heart. Mm-hmm. That this flows from what is God doing in your own heart? And is Jesus 24-7 to your world not just that you're parenting and intentional with your kids 24-7, but Jesus is central to your world and your family's world. That That's a basis for all of this. And so we're going to operate and communicate based on that. You've got to be doing this in your own life. That's, you know, discussions that we've had in previous podcasts. It's a discussion for another day. But with your children, I think here's the first thing is just listen before you teach. Um, Shanti Feldham did some research that we've used over and over again. Uh, It comes from a book called For Parents Only. And the number one things that teens complain about is their parents not listening. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be honest that sometimes kids are in a place that it doesn't matter what we do. They don't feel like we're listening. And that would be on them. And that does happen. Yes. So we're not saying parents don't always, that's not always the case, but we do think we need to, you know, take, take this to heart. We need to examine our own lives. So, uh, to know that there are things we can do better to be listeners, you know, in all relationships. And so just, um, one, one thing in listening is when you try to listen is listen to understand, not lecture. Many teens express parents give them consequences before hearing the full story or have already made up their minds before talking it all through. I I know I've been quick to this many times, and and I'm a pretty good listener, but with either you or with my kids through the years where, um, because I want something corrected, I I don't even give them time to talk about what's happened or what's going on with them. Um. Proverbs eighteen two says, "A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind." Mm-hmm. Ouch! I mean, it's convicting. Am I just wanting to get to the point with my kid that I want to make, or am I trying to understand and hear them and hear what's going on? So listen to understand, uh, and not not to just lecture. Mm-hmm. You got it. You got another one.
2: I would say listen with empathy, and we've talked about this in even in February when we we talked, or I think it was January, we did a podcast on listening. But um, that you know, listening with empathy is the ability to understand and validate another's internal world. It's just where I mean, we're we're trying to kind of put ourselves in their shoes, understand why they might be thinking how they're thinking, what what you know they why they might be. Um, interpreting something the way they are. And once again, we're talking to you some out of, you know, 24 years of counseling, a lot of teenagers, and they often communicate to us that um, they're afraid of the thoughts they're having or the emotions that they're feeling. And as a result of that fear and them not knowing what to do with all that that's going on internally in them. I mean, they're acting out in some manner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as an example, I I may see, and over the years, I've seen, um, you know, a lot of kids who were cutting, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, honestly, I often see a lot of Christian kids who are cutting because mm-hmm. they're not, they don't want to do drugs, they don't, they don't want to, you know, go down a path that is, you know, tied to those kind of mm-hmm. addictions, um, but. They don't know what to do with their thoughts and emotions, and they just want relief. And the problem with cutting is it works temporarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, the, uh, And I'm not going to go into all the reasons it works, but it works temporarily. Um, but those same circumstances and those same feelings come up again. So then it becomes a very addictive behavior because it works. I'm going to do it again when I need relief. And so we do a lot of emotional intelligence work where mm-hmm. we're looking at how do you, you know, identify what is going on in you, how you're thinking that determines how you're feeling, and then um, what do you do with that?
0: And often, though, what works so often, the big key ingredient in helping someone who's cutting is to have somebody who listens. Exactly. And they they feel understood with Mm -hmm. what they're trying to say. The point in it isn't even necessarily all the different emotions. it's that they're identifying and able to sort through what's going on and they're not going to be able to do that if somebody's not listening.
2: Exactly. And that's why I think in the Shanti Felden's, um, you know book that Worley mentioned for the Parents Only where she did this uh, research with over a thousand teens and tweens um, through the you know throughout the United States. she reported in her book that the majority of kids indicated, they wanted the parents to address their emotions before jumping in to fix their problem. And the older the kids got in this survey, the more they said that acknowledging their feelings best proved to them that their parent was listening. Mm-hmm. That's how they equated, you know, and, and I mean, we've we've had to do a lot of thinking about this mm-hmm. because we are not exaggerating when we say we hear this mm-hmm. pretty much from every kid we, you know, see that this is what they need and what they feel like they want. And it's different reasons, you know. I mean, it's parents aren't trying often Mm -hmm. to not listen, Mm -hmm. but there's just a disconnect here.
0: So listening, listening to understand, listening with empathy. I like uh, what Dennis and Barbara Rainey tell parents. They say, your goal is not just correcting behavior, but also growing, training, nurturing the kinds of hearts that seek to understand and act wisely. Help your kids understand the heart behind their behavior, and then learn to express their feelings without being hurtful. And then Rainey says that God never corrects our emotions in his word. What he does correct is the way we express those emotions. So just validating, normalizing emotions can often help fix the problem, at least calms them down enough to be able to you know, implement some correction or perhaps solve it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So very helpful.
2: So we're going to, you know, first encourage um, to listen before we teach. So we've said listen to understand, not lecture. You know, listen with empathy. And with empathy, you don't have to agree right? to have empathy. Right. I mean, I can validate what's going on with my child and and also be very aware that maybe they're not thinking clearly about this or that. And but it's my entry point. Yes. And and when I enter there, then I earn my voice. Yes.
0: Well and I said.
2: and I see that in counseling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I earn the right then to try and teach my kids problem solving, which is the next thing here. So, this is where, as parents, we must, you know, not only teach our children what not to do, um, but we also need to be teaching them what to do. This is this is problem solving. So, as an example, many kids make bad decisions when they're angry. Many of us grown-ups make bad decisions when we're angry. Some externalize it in some manner um, and you know, lash out and spew and do harm to others, while other kids turn their anger inward and struggle with depression and a lot of anxiety. And so this this is an opportunity to teach kids, um, you know, what to do with anger. The Bible in Ephesians 4 says, be angry, but do not sin in your anger. And so it's an opportunity here to teach kids, you know, that the Bible is saying your emotion of anger isn't wrong. But for a little kid, when you're yelling, when you're throwing things, um, when you're name calling you know, when you're doing harmful things, that's sin. Um, and that sin there separates you from God and from the people you're doing harm to. So, you know, then then you're trying to teach to problem solve. Like, what can you do with your anger that could be productive? Or how could you use that anger, you know, in a healthy way? Or, you know, you lashed out with your anger <sighs> And you use these words. I mean, how could you use your words differently? So it's just I'm using that as an example to say, uh, you know, you're listening, you're taking in that information, you're you're recognizing what's going on internally in them, what might be driving them, and then, I mean, how do we how do we teach them, um, you know? And you're going to talk about correction next. I mean, we've got to teach them what not to do, uh, but we also need to be teaching them to problem solve and helping them know what to do, because kids get so anxious because they hear their parents say, no, 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 no. But they have no idea what to do to replace that, Mm -hmm. whether it's to replace a thought, it's to replace a behavior, you know, or just a pattern of, you know, interacting or relating. So
0: very good. You know, we're talking about these things that help with health, mental health, Mm -hmm. but the this is this is what the scriptures would call parents to, and settling in with your kids so that um, you're dealing with their hearts, and and in order to do that, you got to be able to listen and hear what they're saying, and then you're proactive with that. Okay, mm-hmm. let me help you understand what's going on in you, and how, what do we do with this, and how do we do with this? So, that leads us to our next point, and that is that you correct wisely when necessary. So as parents, we want to validate our kids' feelings, but that doesn't mean we accept their bad behavior. Um, Inconsistency and consequences and and parental involvement creates insecurity in kids if you're inconsistent. Say that again because that's so true. So if you're inconsistent in your consequences or inconsistent in your involvement, then insecurity can very much Mm -hmm. follow that. And then that, in turn, can create an anger in the child or anxiety in the child. Mm -hmm. So you determine what consequences are best for each child according to their bent and do then what you say you're going to do. You follow through with it. So this is correction wisely when necessary. And so kids who struggle with anxiety or anger or any other kind of mental, emotional issue— they they really need this stability and structure that comes with the the discipline, the boundaries that come go along with that the consistency And all correction is a discipline and it's a must and none of us learn without that. We all need that and uh, and
2: God still allows it in our life as grown-ups.
0: And so when we do that with our kids and then as they get older with our teenagers, it just gives them a, a place to open up and feel like, you know, this is this place with mom and dad who are who are involved with me in this way. I can talk to them. Mm-hmm. So
2: And this is where we would say, you know, rules without relationship. I mean, just being behavior oriented, having the rules all the time but not, you know, developing a relationship, not putting any emphasis on the internal world and on just having fun together talking, and playing together and talking.
0: Having Yeah, all yeah, of that.
2: Equals rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is true, and that's what we're saying here on the correctly mm-hmm. side. Uh, I mean, the correction side is that, um, you know, so we have the rules without relationship can equal rebellion, but we also have just building relationship, being your kid's good buddy and your good your kid's friend without the rules really creates insecurity. And what I've seen in counseling is it often creates a future resentment.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, You know, what we Mm -hmm. feel like my kid really likes me when they're in high school. Well, of course they're Mm -hmm. getting their way, getting to do what they want, but then I'll have them come in and say, my parents had no rules Mm -hmm. for me and I wasn't protected. Mm -hmm. They did not protect me. Mm -hmm. And now they're struggling with resentment because now they're a up and they're living with all these consequences for all that freedom that they had that they really liked back then.
0: Right. Felt good at the time. Mom and dad loved me. Mom and dad felt good because the kids love them. We've got this. And then you get in the real world and it's hard and it's difficult and people don't care and they don't worship you and so forth and so on. And then all of a sudden, it's like you weren't protected, you weren't taught, you weren't disciplined, you, you know. So, you know, let let the experiences at home be what cultivate your kids for the rest mm-hmm. rest of the world.
2: So, work to keep rules and relationship in balance. The next thing here, we would say, is model be, the behavior that you want to see in your child, and we've kind of said this in the Mother's Day talk we've said it really said it here earlier but you know when your child's acting out it's hard to initially focus on hearing them and seeking to understand and validate their feelings because they're often treating us poorly or attacking us um, and so you know it's it's very hard at this point to model the very behavior that you would like to be seeing in your child and all studies and there are a lot of studies out there in this area show that a parent modeling staying calm Will actually aid your child to stay calm. A positive relationship with the parent will always help strengthen the child's resilience, even in this area. You know, with their depression and anxiety. So, you know, if as a parent, if we don't handle something well, and we lose it with our kids uh, in the middle of us parenting them to manage their anger in a healthy way, to man, you know, to not. Um, lose it to not blame everybody else not attack everybody else but we're constantly putting the blame on our kid and we're never taking ownership of you know maybe losing control with our anger and going and asking them forgiveness I mean we have to be living this because it creates resentment in the kids if we're asking something of them that we're also not doing and here's ourselves the,
0: I mean here's the thing you know so you don't enter into parenting, having all of this learned in together. Right. You learn on the job, you grow on the job. Mm-hmm. Your kids are going to help you be able to deal with your own heart. Mm-hmm. What gets stirred up in you? What do I need to pay attention to? Why am I anxious? Why am I getting angry? Why do I get angry when my kids are angry at me? And and God is very intentional and gracious. In his, you know, to give us his word and give us um, believers who are ahead of us on the road, um, whether it be pastors, wise counselors, but to help us so that we, we're not, I mean, we're continually growing in our own hearts.
2: Mm-hmm. So, and one of our professors wrote a book called How Kids Raise Parents. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's what right, we're saying. The
0: point of this whole book yeah. was, you know, don't be so proud to think this this process is good for you as well. Mm-hmm. And so what I think you're saying here too is because it could feel like pressure of well, I just always gotta be calm and I got to set the example. Well, I don't think perfection is going to occur, but I think growth can occur. So
2: And it's what we said before, we're also teaching our kids with what we do when we fail, mm-hmm. by us being humble enough to go back and say, you know, please forgive me for losing my cool with you. Or please forgive me for micromanaging your life. I really, you know, I need to, as a mom, deal with my fear or, you know, uh, about things or, you know, my impatience.
0: Do do you remember when we were first married, or and we had kids, you know, within the first five years, but when we first started parenting, there seemed to be a discussion going around about, um, do you apologize to your kids when, when you've done something I, I don't know if you remember that, but there was some kind of discussion, and and now I'm thinking that is a no brainer. Of course, you apologize if you've sinned against them, um, but you know you don't make that the point, so they have to bear the burden of your apology. You're not they're they're not God to you. You're not you know unburdening yourself. <clears throat> I think that's the fear that you know a parent would have. You're not doing that, but you're owning your stuff. You know, so I, I many times, you know, your your sin is, or my sin would, would be exposed and have to go and say, you know, I was wrong for that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for Jesus, for you who died for my sins, and the Spirit who's convicting and helping me, and and then seeing growth in that. And there should be growth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, this isn't, I apologize, and then next week I apologize, and nothing ever changes. Right. but. Um, I mean, basically, you're saying that, and I just uh, think modeling is is going to have to happen in the way that we deal with our life.
2: Mm-hmm. And the thing here about these studies is this: they're even talking about just what happens in the moment when your kid's attacking you. Yes. Stay calm. Yes. I mean, work very hard to stay calm in that.
0: Yes.
2: You know, in that moment, and don't you know, basically go to their level.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And that's hard as a parent, and yet it's, um, in in doing that and staying calm, I mean, I know the difference of when I haven't done it and what results, and then when I have done that and what results um, with kids. And it, it's very different, and it does bring some calmness to the whole thing.
0: Um, and you know. and I have been helpful to this for each other through in this way through the years when one of us has interacted with our kids in a way that...
2: Yes. That, and, and, you know, we're just in the moment and then the other parent will say, hey, you right. should have, you know, you came across this way or whatever. And yeah, it's yeah. very helpful to have that from each other.
0: All right. So the next one that we want to just mention to you is that you teach your children to live and think beyond themselves. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, they're watching you, they respond to you, they respond to your correction. you know you've you've been proactive with them, you've listened to them. And now you you also want to take this a step further, that you want your kids to live outside of themselves, to get beyond just their own self-absorption. It is not all about them um, that that they could become, you know, just so kind of cut up in themselves and in their own preservation. So children can be taught and challenged to live beyond themselves in an entitled culture. And you start when they're young. Hmm. You want them to come home each day. And here's 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 a thought that when they come home each day, if they've been away, um, and if they're around the house, you can do this too. But at some point at the towards the end of the day that they share one or two things about their day, what they did. What they thought, how they felt, um, you know. You've done this. I know with teens who are um, who aren't talking and sharing things with their parents. You give them this assign- assignment um, in order for your kids to do this. Parents, we reiterate that you have to listen to them. You have to stop and be interested in them. Um, but you want them to share something about themselves and what happened in their day how they were thinking and feeling and then and then talk about it and what you're doing when they do that is you're actually getting them to live beyond mm-hmm. themselves
2: and i mean we as parents in our generation we i mean it it, it i mean the culture is very child centered Yes. I mean, how often do we hear, we have no time for our marriage yes. or I have no time for myself because my kid's doing this, 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 and this. And yes. we don't want our kids to miss out on this, this, and this, and this. And so we live in a lot of pressure. Yeah, You know, if my kid's going to be able to compete at this level where everybody else is competing, I got to have them doing this and this and this. And so very child-centered, you know, parenting comes into play here where, you know, we we teach our kids that. You are the center of the world,
1: <laughs> right?
2: And so we're we're trying to you know go against that, which means it's hard because sometimes we have to go against the the culture here. But they're going to get out in the real world, and it's not going to all revolve around them. And
0: not know how to handle them, and they don't know how, and think everything's coming to them.
2: Yes, and that entitlement, um, you know, part is there, and and like you said, I. I'll hear parents say, "My child just goes to the room. All they ever do is hang out in their room. I have no idea what's going on in their life." Right. And the parents are having a lot of anxiety, and the kids are coming in, and they're putting, they're like, "I feel all this pressure from my parent." And you know, da 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 da. So I, I found this very effective. Mm-hmm. It, it seems really, you know, basic, simple. Mm-hmm. But if I tell those kids, "I want you to pick two things." about your day and share with your parents, it calms the parents' anxiety because they hear something, they feel a little more connected. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're not, you know, acting out of their anxiety. And
0: And then the, the part for the kids is it forces the kids to, to experience life beyond themselves, that they're actually, you know, sharing it with somebody else. This is beyond me.
2: And I'm teaching them to think about that their parents are human yeah. and their parents have anxieties. Uh-huh. And so let's let's think about your parents in this
0: yeah.
2: by making this choice to and, do and this. And so you,
0: tr- you you may not explain all that when they're very young. Right. You just do it. Right. And then it becomes a part of them, and so then they, they experience that connection. But if mm-hmm. you haven't done that and they're older, then you might explain some of what, what mm-hmm. you're doing.
2: Another thing that I might... Um, have kids do or tell them is you know if you if you've just spent an hour in your room then I want you to go out and spend you know the next thirty minutes to an hour with your family. Let's keep this balanced. Mm-hmm. And if your kids do that, parents, you need to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Is I'll have kids work on this, not,
0: comp- not necessarily all the time attention, but you got to be aware that are you are you showing them any attention?
2: Right. I mean, little kids, I mean, do you get down on the floor and just, you know, play with them for a little bit? It takes very little. Mm -hmm. I mean, 10 minutes of focused attention, of just playing and building relationship, or if your teen comes out of the room, are you just on them for everything they're not doing and getting done, or... Are you enjoying them and telling them some positive things you see in them? Are you just asking them about their day, or
0: have them, you know, help you with what you're working on? And if you're cooking, if that, you know, meal times are great for that
2: kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Are you shutting off the TV and paying attention, or putting your phone down and giving them focused attention is a big thing. Huge. So, huge. Um, okay. Let's give a couple more ideas <laughs> yeah. there, and.
0: One of the things that we think's great is to have your kids go see, for example, their grandparents, if they live in the community, and if they don't, you know, other people. Um, just have them being curious about other people's lives—people you know, people you trust—but have them extend themselves to to other people's. Um, one of the things that we've done in that with our kids is taught them how to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So that the conversations they, they can actually, you know, stimulate conversation and learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've taught them to do that even if they're not comfortable, that um, they share things with uh, their grandparents if they haven't seen them and help them to understand um, that as they do so, um, just that, yes, sometimes it's awkward, sometimes it's difficult, but it. It's you living beyond yourself towards somebody else.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, we're we all have a tendency towards selfishness, but also self-preservation. When something feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm just going to take care of me versus right. step into that uncomfortable thing and think about the other person. Because people that self-preserve don't ever think about the other side of it. Mm-hmm. They don't think about that, you know, they're causing anxiety or pain or hurt or, you know, in the other person. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, then the last thing we'd say is, uh, I mean, there are a lot of service projects or something through your church or your youth group or, you know, just working in jobs that require interaction with the other, you know, with others. So there's ways to live beyond yourself that way. And then um, also just, uh, I mean, we found it beneficial for our kids to hang out with, people, you know, young adults that are younger than us Mm -hmm. that are putting into our kids and um, be engaged with them there. So, uh, you know, as we kind of close here today, we have, you know, we've talked about being diligent in your parenting. And part of the way that um, we're diligent is that we start with the heart. And then part of the way we deal with the heart is we listen to understand. We listen before we, you know, go into lecturing. We listen with that empathy and we teach our kids how to problem solve. We correct. Um, we, you know, instill discipline in them and we work to model the behavior that we want to, you know, see in our child. We, we don't do our own thing and then expect something different from them. And then we've really finished here with how do we teach our children to, know, live beyond and think beyond themselves. And as we do that, we're aware that, I mean, we really have barely scratched the surface today with, you know, some parenting tools. These are some overall thoughts. But even in these thoughts, it's very clear that parenting is hard work and it's going to take a lot of intentional time and thought. And one of the most important things is that husbands and wives are on the same page as much as possible, and that takes even more intentional time and thought and prayer. And it makes me think of S. Truett Cathy, who was the founder of Chick-fil-A, when he said, it's easier to build boys and girls than mend men and women. Mm -hmm. It's easier to build boys and girls than mend men and women. So it's so important that we take this seriously and invest um, our time here.
0: I like that. I've always liked that from Kathy. And Howard Hendricks had said something similar one time about being intentional with something, but he says you can only achieve that for which you aim. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. And so determining your aim in parenting uh, is worth your time. I think you and I have had the benefit now seeing some things happen over time Mm -hmm. with our kids. And so we know this is true, but it's not only for... Our own child and for our family, but we know that this continues into the generations to come. Mm-hmm. So, all right, very good. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Willie and Danina, we encourage you to visit RedeemedHeartsMinistries.com. Hey, we want to let you know that we'll be taking a break for the month of June, but we will be back with more episodes of the podcast later in the summer. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. And please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. Hey, God bless. Have a great summer.